0: They'll try and get the penalty rather than put it on Crowley surely to drop a goal under these circumstances. They've had a couple of tens over the years that in these moments have found a drop goal for a special moment on a special day. And you know what? They just found another one. Yeah, Leicester's discipline has to be spot on here. Any indiscretion. Papi go drop goal for Crowley. This potentially to win it, he's got it. Jack Crowley sends the Monster fans to their feet. Well, that's reminiscent of Ronald O'Gara before him. He had the composure, he waited to get into the right position. Great case, outstanding pass out of him. Great call, great decision, Jack Crowley, right between the poles. Now they've got to get the kick off, though, because Leinster they're still out of time. You see, my turn out isn't John. who now still holding on. <laughs> Back for the drop goal. Crowley! Crowley! Yes! Yes! What a goal! F- Crowley! Why? Crowley! Oh, oh, it's over in case you were wondering. Is Casey going to kick it? The cock is red! The Diaz! De- yes! And much to come, and win in Dublin. The URC final awaits. There's a star. I've been writing the start of the Wally Ratings for the last four or five hours. Uh, It's late enough now on Monday. The Wally Ratings will be out on Tuesday morning. I had a few uh, things, we'll say, pop up during the day um, to do with flags and the making of flags and the sending of people to Cape Town uh, on the TRK Secret Club. If you're not in the TRK Secret Club, you missed something very special today, where there was a a cash-for-go drive to send two people, three people, well two people who have uh, been at the quarter-final and the semi-final who, you know, I think, naturally I suppose, couldn't afford to go to Cape Town for this game in two weeks, um, but who now are, because of the generosity of the people in the TRK Secret Club who raised two and a bit grand over the course of three or four hours to make this mad crazy thing happen, there are a number of Monster fans going to South Africa for this final and it is a final of the united rugby championship munster versus the stormers in cape town um but how do we get there that's the thing uh the final score in this urc semi-final was leinster 15 munster 16 an exact reversal of the first uh pro 14 semi-final that Munster versus leinster played in 20 uh, 2017, 2018 or not, 2018, 2019 which was a weird one when I saw it a reversal Uh, and it was, you know I think when you I think when you look at this game there's no way to separate the emotion of the game and the emotion of the moment from your analysis or your 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 read of the game Um, they're intertwined, I think from both sides I mean there are neutrals who are watching the game who have a neutral read of it my read of it is you not know, going to be objective but never neutral because um, I care deeply about monster winning trophies and being successful and I was thinking today this is at the start of the Wally ratings as well about why we do this to ourselves why we invest emotional capital into sports uh, into a sport into a team it's for moments like Saturday now I've had a lot of people in my mentions who are you know serial winners you know the lads who can kind I of think they're Roy Keane who are trying to make celebrating a moment like that you know somehow impure that's what the sport is all about moments like that and you know I'm going to go into it a little bit more detail in the wire ratings in my lengthy preamble but moments like that that drop goal the end game the the winning of it that's what it's all about that's why we are involved in sports that's what dragged you into the radicalization that you are in now if you're listening to me talk on this platform so i think those are the sort of moments that you have to hang on to and you have to enjoy for what they were so many stories i've heard you've heard the commentary in the intro there like so many stories I've heard from people who were in varying states of you know, bawling crying, just losing themselves um in celebration, just the memories they have in watching it in a pub going mental. This is what Monster is. This is the the other side of it. We've had a lot of the hurt with the hurt over the last couple of, of, of years, I would say. More than our fair share, I would say. But moments like that, I know it's a semi final, but they're all part of a story. They're all part of the journey, I suppose, that we are on with this team. And it is a journey now. You could say that this journey started in the Aviva last year against Toulouse. Different coaches, different players. But that was the case with the old the first Monster journey as well. There were different coaches. There were different players. You know, I think I look at this season and, you know, some of it is scarcely believable you know you go back to the first couple of games of the year and we were losing to Cardiff we were losing to Dragons now look I'm still of the of the opinion that both Cardiff and Dragons are not bad teams at all I mean Cardiff are going to be playing Champions Cup rugby next year but you look at, at the Dragons and, you know at, at that point they were a better side than us we looked terrible and it didn't really click for Munster properly um, or consistently until post South Africa in Porky Queeve. like I was there for that game that was back in November feels like it could have been a season ago you know and Munster have just kept building ever since and it's not been a case of unstoppable momentum that's been with, with Munster because that that certainly hasn't been the case the period in and around the Six Nations um, the scarlet second half the Glasgow game of course we've mentioned a few times the Sharks game that all looked like a low cohesion unit of guys who were out of practice of playing and as this team who have been on that journey since then, since going out of Europe, where there has been five away games in the spin. Um, actually, no, this will be the fifth away game in the spin. This was the fourth. That's momentum. That's guys playing with each other. That's guys playing for each other. And that ability to step in week after week after week after week with the flow and with the belief that comes with every win every result that goes your way it'll give you an idea as to like 25 days ago we were talking about shit will we get into Europe now we're talking about a URC final that's of such an immense credit to the players to the coaches to the organisation that that's where we are and like I'm not going to look back and say now oh I called it because I didn't I didn't think Munster were going to be able a shout of winning a uh, trophy this year but things so far have fallen our way and some things as well we've made fall our way but it'll give you an idea of the unpredictability of sport as well and I think you know going to this game again on Saturday we can't speak about it again without speaking about the rivalry that's there between Munster and Leinster which I've said it before a geographic rivalry in name only that's what we're talking about for the last number of years this game, this result is the beginning of that changing. I think that Leinster's dominance over the last number of years, um that's it, and it's dominance is probably isn't even the right word for it. Um, they have won all but two games in the last geez ten years coming up on that. Ten or, like maybe there's a Rainbow Cup game, we beat them under Razzie um, we beat them up in the Aviva with uh, Anthony Foley coaching. Um, uh, certainly, since Leinster ascended to the team that we know now, we've beaten them a handful of times, and they've put us away in varying different ways over the last couple of seasons. And to the point where you know you have guys like Kieran Doris, you know, talking about after the game, oh, we always enjoy coming to tolman Park. We always love playing Munster. We love those games. Like, that is not a healthy situation for... I, don't, I And I, I don't think it's a healthy situation for Leinster, even. Certainly not for Munster. Um, and I think in this game we saw... One, I think Leo Cullen's best laid plans come a little... You know, come, come a cropper. Um, I think looking at how Leinster approached this game, they put out a team they felt they could win. And again, you look at the quality on the field. I mean... I said it in a different article I actually went back and I read some of the old articles that I, that I had from uh, when Leinster beat Munster and you know however many semifinals and finals it's been and uh, one of them even back in 2018 2019 was is that Leinster aren't really capable of putting out a bad team at the moment and that's 100% true it was true then it's even more true now like I look at the, the Leinster team that we named here and I was I went over it in, in the Red in the Blood and Thunder podcast Kelleher Ala Ala al is not a world-class talent. He's a good player. Captain of Samoa, as somebody went to great lengths to point out to Stephen Archer in the presser last week. But, you know, a good, a good player. I'm not sure if Leinster are getting the full, you know, non-Irish qualified, you know, marquee signing type of impact from him. But they're expensive guys to sign good player I don't think he he makes Leinster a worse team but you know he's played with the Crusaders and international I won't hear anybody tell me that that guy is a, a white flag ahead of a game you look at the second row Ryan Baird people talking about him being a guy who's a start for the World Cup okay perfect there he is next to Jason Jenkins he scored a try but also this is a guy all season long people have been telling me what a game changer for Leinster he is Turned him into a different beast. They've turned him into something else up in Leinster. Back row. Max Deegan. Great young player. Well, he's not even a young player anymore. But a guy who, I think he's been varying levels of underrated. Feels that maybe he should have more caps than he does. Will Connors, a guy who has, what, nine international caps. Jack Conan, three times test lion. Luke McGrath. Tell me, is there a player in Irish rugby who has more medals in his back pocket than Luke McGrath does? Uh, Harry Byrne, people talking all week about he's got a big summer lined up ahead of him in uh, ahead of him in green. You're looking at Charlie Dathai, uh, Robbie Henshaw in midfield, uh, a back three like Tommy O'Brien. I think maybe he's lacking a bit of a top end pace for a winger, but great young player. You're looking at uh, Tommy or Jimmy O'Brien at fullback. You know, this is not a poor Leinster team. I think that Leo Cullen understood that he had a number of guys here who he felt he needed to rotate for um, and that he wanted to keep out of the firing line. I don't think Keane Healy is fully fit. Um, Andrew Porter is the most important player in Irish rugby. If Andrew Porter were to go down with a HIA in this game, for example, against Munster, then he wasn't available for the La Rochelle game. La Rochelle win that game 9 out of 10 times. 'Cause Andrew Porter is that important. He is the most important player in Irish rugby for me. Dan Sheehan um closely followed him. Um like so they're missing guys like that, James Ryan, who they cannot replace. You have guys who are role twins for him but don't have his quality. And that's kind of the thing. Like but again, I look at this game and I see at the end Josh Van der Fleer, Jack Conan, Robbie Henshaw, like I can't look at that team and say that's a poor like that, that, that like that's a B team. It's not Leinster's strongest possible team, but they were in a situation where they had to make that decision, and Munster still had to beat them. And watching the game, like looking at how Munster managed to win, and the scale of the game, um, that will begin to ignite the fires of a proper rivalry between these two teams again. And I, I think James Tracy uh, spoke in on the radio relatively recently this week about the hatred that's there certainly from the Leinster side I would say towards Munster Rugby I can assure James that that hatred is returned in kind and Munster aren't looking at this game as oh well that's nice to have they want it to be a start of the reversal of the last 10 years and more so um so look I, I think that that's a great start to win because talking about it is one thing winning is another and uh, this will add um I suppose a lot of heat to the next game, but I've got a lot of questions to get through. I want to get to them as well. But first, my read of the game. Now, you, the Wally ratings you will not have read by the time you're listening to this. If you're listening to this as soon as it's published, Wally ratings will be out tomorrow, Tuesday, by uh, or today, Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this. Just before midday, I would say. Um, my initial read of the game was is that Munster were a good ten or fifteen points better than this Leinster team. But through a lack of composure, through a lack of accuracy, um, through a few, I suppose, kind of coughed up moments where, like soft moments, I would say, in the first half, we let behind at least two or three tries in that first half, another two maybe in the second half outside of the ones that we scored. So to me, I see um, a huge scope for improvement. um, And I suppose, a real example of the style we've been building all season long being an incredibly bad matchup for Leinster. Um, Leinster are a counter-transition team. Their defensive work on transition is based on a few things, but the threat of the turnover is always there. Now, one of the things that has been a constant with Leinster over the last couple of years, and, and plenty of people have flagged it up about, you know, how they clear beyond the ball you know, when they're looking for their turnovers, when they're looking to try and slow down the rook, never mind win breakdown turnovers, which they do as well. They have a tendency not to release in the tackle. Um, They were penalized for those things in this game. Now, that's one of the things where like, certain teams, big teams tend to get away with those things. That didn't happen here. And I can see why a lot of that might seem like and the thing is, this might seem like a singling out Leinster. Look, Every team who's been a big team or a winning team in Europe or anywhere in the game has had a few things they like they, they, they got away with initially and then just continue to get away with. I will not take anybody seriously who's telling me that Frank Murphy refereed this game poorly even, never, never mind that he was unbalanced. Um, I went back and I watched this game on a referee run just because I just wanted to see what are people talking about. You'd spot one or two mistakes on either side. But honest to God, nothing egregious whatsoever. All the big calls that I've been told he got wrong. Completely understandable why he called them the way he did. Like, people talking about Will Connors, that he shouldn't, like that uh, Dermot Barron should have got a red card or a yellow card for the tackle that unfortunately knocked Will, Will Connors out. Can't buy that. Cannot buy that whatsoever. You know, that like you look at the the height that Will Connors went dead, he was dipping. Dear Barron was also dipping and his hand was just below the shoulders. Uh, Will Connors' chin clipped his arm but that to me is not a yellow card. It was a penalty Leinster went to 3-0 lead off it. But I I can't get behind this idea that Frank Murphy was distorting this game. If he was why did it take a 78th minute drop goal for Munster to actually finally win it if he was that intent on making Leinster lose? I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Um, but you're entitled to your opinion, of course, if that's, if that's what it is. I just don't think it stacks up to reality. Any rugby person I spoke to um, who isn't blinded by the result just reckons Frank had a pretty decent game, actually. spoke to a guy who'd be you know, fairly well up in, in refereeing circles and I asked him what his read of the game was. And he said that one of the better referee games of the year when it comes to consistency, when it comes to flow. Um, I think Frank actually did himself a whole world of good going forward uh, to, to, you know, to make sure he gets games like this going forward because I think he was right down the middle. I think he called it fairly consistently on both sides. But refereeing sideshows, I can't complain too much. I have indulged in that after games. when I'm in my feelings after a loss. But I suppose what I'm confused about is, is that Frank Murphy typically allows a real contest of the breakdown and offensively lets a lot go. That typically suits Leinster quite a bit. As a counter transition team, as I was saying, one of the things that they're really good at doing is, is that when they kick the ball to you, and they do, and it's always in that mid to long range, they're really good at powdering you on the gain line. One of the reasons why I think they selected the midfield that they did and why I think they felt that midfield... Was really going, well, like, was really going to hurt Munster and prevent us from getting into the game that they felt we were going to play. Was because like that Robbie Henshaw and Charlie Natai midfield defensively, from an intelligence perspective, covers a lot of ground, but also covers a lot of like of the intellectual space that Monster looking to try to get at. They understand where we're trying to play and are quite good at identifying that space and taking it out. I did feel that Charlie I lacked a bit of mobility at times and wasn't able to kind of cut Munster off as we were looking to build width into our game, certainly on transition. But that'll give you an idea as to where Munster felt the key battleground in this game was. And I felt it was on transition and then that progression into um, the post-transition phases. Munster did a really good job of hanging onto the ball. Or when we go and we look at some of the the stats that are there and weirdly enough, Munster's stats aren't out for this game yet. Uh, Leinster's are, but Munster's aren't up on Opta or any of those things as of yet. Um like Leinster had 241 tackles, which is massive. That is a massive amount of tackles defensively. They had um a number of defensive penalties given away at the breakdown. Uh, For not releasing, for putting their hands on the ground, um, you know, ahead of the ball and and pulling back, waiting for the clean uh, to either slow the ball or make the turnover for them. Um, That happens when you're playing defensive off-ball rugby. And like Leinster's counter-transition game is built on efficiency. So what they do is that when they have possession in and around, I won't say even in certain positions because if you're outside the 10-meter the line, or maybe halfway between the 10-meter line and the 22, like, Leinster can kick at any stage, and, and they're very good at kicking on their own terms, and that's where the counter-transition starts. And they're really good at controlling you after they kick the ball. Here, it's not that their kicking was bad, it's just that they weren't able to get a stop on our kicking game where we didn't really kick all that much at all. If we were engaged in a kicking battle, we would wait until we got a favourable position. But for the most part, when they kicked the ball to us, we held on to it. Their tackle count, I think, is a big reflection of our intent with the ball in hand. Now, one of the things that we needed to do to become an on-ball team, and I don't think it's a surprise that uh, Frank, Prender- or Frank Prendergast, Frank Murphy on the brain, wish I had his hair, by the way, Best hair in world rugby. I don't hear anybody tell me that Frank Murphy does not have a fantastic head of hair. Um Prendergast, Mike Prendergast, comes from France. He's been in um in wrestling for a number of years. They are more of an on ball team. Um I think that he understands, and certainly with the way with you know, maybe how friendly he would be with Ronan O'Gara, they would talk quite often um about how La Rochelle play, which is again that's an on-ball team playing an on-ball game of rugby, La Rochelle for the most part, and, and winning trophies with it. So, like, I mean, the idea that uh, Munster are copying or robbing stuff from Leinster um, from a stylistic perspective, to me, doesn't make any sense. We, we play quite a different game of rugby to, to Leinster. You look at the, the fitness that's required is, is, I would say, the same, if not more. Um, but, you know, I think Leo Cullen was referring to this after the game. I think that's just a little bit of bitterness from um, from from Leo. I think he did well to mask his feelings for the majority of the presser. Left a little bit out of it that time. Like, we like with regards to the, the kicking game that we play, very different from Leinster. We don't play a heavy counter-transition game. I, I felt we would actually at the start of the season, but absolutely has not played out that way. Our kicking tendencies, for example, go... Um, in the mid-range, like so, we will kick long every now and then, but it's not a staple of our game. Like we're ultimately trying to hang on to possession. So, like we've actually brought our, our our box kicking game from a shorter kind of more contestable nature back in from where it would have been. You might even associate that sort of box kicking distance with Razzie or with Van Hron We're happy enough to keep teams close enough to us. We don't really go for the big booming exit to keep the ball in field like way down like we don't really do that like we we have managed to and I think this is part of cardio management on our behalf as well where our kicking tendencies are quite are quite different and I think for most teams if we're looking for a point of difference you look at what we do Uh, from a kicking perspective, compared to, you know, the team we're playing. That's one of the first things I look at when we're looking at uh, a team for the Red Eye or whatever else, is what are their kicking tendencies? How do they approach that side of the game? And I think from um, that point of view, our use of possession, our use of kicking, is similar in concept to Leinster, in that I think we both want to keep the ball in field, we both both want a high enough ball in playtime, but we do it for different reasons. Leinster will go through long sequences where they are uh, kicking long, they're engaging in those kind of uh, transition battles where they're looking to try to generate those post-transition phases, but they kick sooner than we do uh, when it comes to, uh, I I suppose, our our, our transition timer. We have a way longer timer. We will play on on multi-phase possession because we're looking to try to stress teams that way one of the constants from this game when you look at it and I'll be showing you this in the red eye or in the wally ratings also is uh, when Leinster kicked to us and I've looked at this already this season uh, we went into a 3-2-X shape where um, we would have a pot of three with the runner in behind but then we would always hit a pot of two off that. We always do that on transition. We do that to get depth, right? Then in the next phase we go to a 3-3. So we go to 3-3-X where you've got two pods of three forwards and you then start to batter your opposition and almost press them back but which are which are your, your your kind of your flatter wider pods and with that way of playing you're able to dominate possession and with the uh, increase in our breakdown output which is a large part of where our fitness comes from or where our fitness is going rather I think is more accurate I think we're in a position then when now we can start to stress teams defensively. One of the big issues I have with a recent uh, statement that Eddie Jones put out, right, where he was speaking about possession rugby being dead. I genuinely don't think that's the case. I think looking at the modern game, cardio output is the biggest aspect. We only look at um, France's losses to Ireland and Toulouse's losses to Leinster in the last two seasons. Big ball and playtime in both games. When you are playing with big players, you don't want to have a big ball in play time when you are playing with bigger, heavier players. You want to have low ball in play because the clock is the clock. You are going to play eighty minutes of clock time, but however long the ball is in play, the longer that is, the more pressure that puts on your starting team, but also on your bench, right? So, for the the bigger, heavier teams, and Eddie Jones is intent on picking a colossal team for Australia. He feels that off ball rugby is the way to go. I don't think so because when you are playing off ball rugby. You're relying on the referee first of all to give you decisions but second of all when you're an on-ball team you control the ball and play you you decide what the tempo of the game is because you control it like craig casey has 124 passes in this game that is more than luke mcgrath harry byrne and uh, nick mccarthy combined on the leinster team that'll show you how often and how many plays we made relentless ball playing relentless possession and look sometimes i got a bit scrappy Leinster made a good read on defense. They got a good blitz. We were able to continue to play off that. So, guys will offload. Our offloading count is through the roof here because we understand that when things get, stra- get, get scrappy on the edge, sometimes you have to offload. Sometimes you are going to be playing a little bit of unstructured ball in those moments. But we're always looking to click back into structure again. And that's that 3 3x where you will have your three pods of forwards in the middle and then one or two forwards at the edge. And that's the. i suppose the base concept of what we're trying to do and that is different from leinster leinster do play a lot of possession when they get into the right field position we play with a lot of possession regardless of where we are and that is something where we've been building our fitness to get to that stage like i watch a lot of leinster i watch a lot of the different versions of leinster like the blended leinster that we have here which is mostly the urc team mixed with some of the key players from the category one like european team and they both play the same way. It's one of their biggest strengths Leinster have is that there's not a big, like, there's not a lot, there is no difference between how the URC team and the Category A team play. The role sets and the role bills are just so consistent all the way through. That's one of the biggest parts of their game. So, like, you have to understand that when you're in that Leinster side, you know what your role is and you know what your, what your unit guy's roles are and you could fill in when necessary. And it's based on counter transition that's what their entire game for me is based on so monster understand this and the one way to break counter transition rugby is that when they kick to you you have to hang on to the ball and make it very difficult for them to get it back uh, when you look at leinster when they lose one of the big things now i think is that their possession count will be low and their tackle count will be high now that's been the case with monster previously but the variety in our handling and the variety in our structures was wildly different. Leinster in previous years were comfortable kicking the ball to us because they knew we couldn't do fucked a bit with it. That's different this time. Our ability to go through multi-phase sets where we seem to go throughout the game, and this is going to be in the, in the Wally ratings, I'm not going to spoil too much of it. We were able to go through multiple 10 plus phases of possession. That's exhausting for an attack to run, and we were certainly gassed at points in this game. And again, that's one of the downsides of playing a big on-ball game is that you will have those moments of collapse. But it was physically exhausting for Leinster as well. And that ability to kind of continue to make them defend and to starve them of possession and to make their possessions expensive, which I feel we did, that ups the um, efficiency. How efficient Leinster have to be becomes even more difficult when their possessions are limited. Now, it'll give you an idea as to just how good they are and that they scored two tries in this game. And like they didn't have a whole lot of possession. That'll show you how good they are. But I think what most teams make the mistake of is that you can't just decide to play on-ball rugby against Leinster. You have to be doing that all season long. And we have been. We've been trying to play that sort of on-ball game all season long. And when we started the season. We were fucking shit at it. We had to go through the lumps. And one of the bravest things. This coaching group did. Is that they did not. Not even once. Decide you know what. We'll slip back a little bit. We'll step back. And we will do some of the. Things we were doing last year. And we will. You know, maybe, maybe pull back a little bit on the training. We won't go as fast as we have been. There would have been compromises. And we would have been a worse team today were we not brave and sticking with what we had planned to do from the start of the season that comes down to Graham Roundtree. that comes down to the coaching staff that he's brought in and I think you look at Mike Prendergast in particular his fingerprints are all over this game from an offensive perspective like we run a couple of different schemes we're calling it like you know counter or what do we have last year we had rock point attack last season this year our main focus is on the edge where we've got those um, inter-connected back three, where they're running deep loop lines in the backfield. It's all for a purpose. It's to create that triple stack, where we have an edge option on the touchline, be it Calvin Nash or John Hodnett or Peter Romani, with one of the wingers, one of the midfielders, and the playmaker um, running a stack on the edge after getting away on a screen pass from a forward. That is an incredibly powerful tool because with the guys that we have and you look at the, the recruitment of Alex Nankivell as well who's a perfect player for running that sort of stack also we have Antoine Frisch we have um, Jack Crowley when we are running it today like first of all we had Healy, Crowley and and Frisch all three ball players um, we're not necessarily looking for a hitter in that role you've got to have pass quality to make it work and we're looking to try and build that um like the the, the three-man edge stack, that is a very powerful gimmick that we're running at the moment, but there's going to be so much built into this. Like, when you're running as much of a possession game as we're looking to try and do, and I think only more of it's going to come, like, your breakdown becomes hugely important. Like, it's important for every team, but when you're an on-ball team, it's especially important. And here, we could not allow Leinster to get a whole rake of turnovers. We actually allowed more turnovers early in the game As we built into the game, though, they were finding it quite difficult to get legal turnovers on us, and this is the game that World Rugby wants. They want a high-possession game. They want a a, a high-volume attacking game. They don't want uh, a huge amount of kicking in the game, like where teams don't want possession, and they're essentially just kicking it to each other and not engaging, or engaging for very short periods. Like, World rugby want a high possession game. They want to take the power out of the game. One of the things we're talking about, and this is kind of outside, you know, like not inside basketball, it's almost outside basketball, is that when you're looking at the game as it is at the moment, one of the biggest things that are standing over it is the concussion brain injury aspect, which is a legal minefield for the game of rugby union, right? Now, world rugby have tried repeatedly and they're they're going to make do more trials of this now where they're looking to lower the tackle height of the of of um the entry for the game to have it be at the at the belly right they don't want any tackles higher than that because they're looking to protect people they're going to make uh changes to the ball carrier height as well that's coming into that's coming in soon too but what that's going to mean is is that on top of it they want to depower the game also. They can't give weight limits and they can't limit substitutes because that endangers, endangers players. So what they want to do is they want to encourage you to play with the ball in hand and discourage you from playing off-ball rugby. This is where I feel Eddie Jones has the game wrong and where a lot of it went wrong for, for Leinster in this game also. People talking about, oh, well, part of the reason why Leinster lost is because they had a whole load of second string or third stringers out depending on how salty they are. Um, I don't think that's it. Like, I think that, like, monster with the opportunities we left behind us, we should have maybe won by 15, 20 points. Like, genuinely, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a shithouse with that. Like, I've gone back and I've watched the game a good couple of times now. Um, we were more than good enough to win that game 10 plus points because, like, we were creating opportunities and we were doing that by playing off-ball rugby. And I suppose one of the most kind of, well, not weird, but one of the unusual parts of this game is, is how difficult Leinster found it to get leeway on our defence there wasn't that you'll you'll have seen this in different Leinster games where and and this is against a blended Leinster team as well it's the same as the as the the category one team where they cut you open and they cut you open on those post transition phases they never really managed to do that here and they never really managed to get um, that set piece break you know where they launch off the line out and cut you up up the middle they never really got that in this game either, which is why I think it, it felt almost like that Leinster sucker punched us at the end of the first half with one of the first possessions that they had. Um, everything, they were, they were so direct and a lovely bit of play from Robbie Henshaw, to be fair, finding Jason Jenkins. But it did feel like a sucker punch because we had so much of the ball and we owned the ball for those like for that first half. Started the second half in the same way where, again, we were attacking really well on transition we held on to the ball, we had a lot of variety, and I suppose that kind of allows you, if you are able to do that accurately, you can find space, and you have to be creative with your blocking runners, which we did, and there was a complaint about that too, but like, look, Leinster do that as well as anybody. I think that the big issue here is that Munster needed to dominate possession. We did. Leinster were not able to get the big siege lifting penalties that that they have gotten in previous games and 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 do tend to get on the on like uh, quite the opposite actually they ended up being penalties against Leinster, so that meant that there was no real platform for Leinster to launch their their line out and and I think looking at the stats I mean I'm waiting for a stat sheet on this as well which is part of why the the Wally ratings are a little bit delayed here is because like we didn't give them a whole load of lineouts on our possession where we chose to give them that now obviously there was a couple of times we had to exit off the field and look that's that but for the most part like we were brave with the ball in that we will keep this ball in field and we will go to the fucking edge of the atmosphere which uh, we will take you to the fucking limit because you're going to have to come here too you have to play this as well and I think that some of the mistakes we saw from Leinster as a game wore on which are kind of un-Leinster like where Guys are a little bit late to a breakdown, passes a little bit inaccurate, which again, look, we, we understood that was going to be a risk when you've got Luke McGrath and Nick McCarthy there who are look good players, but I think pass quality and consistency is one of the one of the issues in their game. Um that's one of the big things for me is that can you manage those moments then once you're taking them to the fucking red line? Once you're getting it up where both teams are fucked, how do you respond? And that's when Munster went and won this game. Um the last I'd say the four minutes to build up before the last big play of this game which was the, the drop goal um, was some of the bravest rugby I've seen from a team in God only knows how long um, last year I had a t-shirt called Gone Agla Zero Fear Soldiers right that was not Munster last year we were quite a fearful team at times it completely applies this year we are trying to play fast. We want to play with the ball. And in this game, we were defending on our try line. We had a massive turnover from Gavin Coombs. Again, there's been a lot of complaints about that too. Gavin Coombs had that ball ripped before he was off his feet, so he can play that ball. And even then, the ball just popped up. If actually had to take it, that could have gone anywhere. And from there, we exited and went into, again, a counter-transition sequence but started on our 5 metre line Leinster ran the ball back they turned it over because um, again we're up we're in their faces we're making tackles Thomas Clarkson knocks the ball on to be fair the pass wasn't all that kind to him came off his shoulder I think knocked it on Keith Earls takes it and then we're playing and we're playing on our own inside our own 22 deep in our own 22 Leinster pushing looking to kill us off at that point they were 2 points up a try there would have killed the game stone dead. It was coming into the last five minutes of the game. They knew it. We knew it. We went to the length of the field to get ourselves into position where we worked our way out of their press uh, up to the edge of our 22. Craig Casey kicked the ball long downfield where he knew there was space. We pressured Mike Haley fucking pushing up on the outside. This guy was busted up all game. Uh, Craig Casey chasing as well. Fucking super athlete, this guy. We pressurize them they kick the ball back this is what leinster do they kick the ball back in that situation are we going to go into a kicking exchange looking for position no jack crowley takes it lines up harry byrne and fucking smashes him vaporizes him sends him skittering back now monster of possession now they have a momentum now we're playing we get to the edge uh, there's a break by Antoine Freese. She gets another great couple of metres. We come back against the grain again. Remember, we went to a 3-2-X. When we come back against the grain, 3-3. We run through those phases. We're grinding Leinster back. At this point, look, they're really struggling from a fitness perspective as well. They've got to pressurise the rocks, but they've got to be careful. They can't go off their feet. They understand they've been penalised for going off their feet, for not for holding on to the tackle. They don't want to give us a kickable penalty because they know a penalty will do it. So they don't want to do that. We're keeping it tight. We try to grind our way to the middle of the field. What I loved about that part of the game was is that Jack Crowley knew he wanted that kick early. He did not want to be fucking around waiting and flapping his arms. He knew what he wanted to do. They lined it up early, himself and Casey, and they schemed that play out. You look at the, the build up to it, where Alex Kendallin, who came off the field and was he came on for was a tight burn. Gavin Coombs went to the second row. Kendallin came on and he was a fucking psycho again, running over fellas, breaking fellas in the tackle. The meters he made off that pick and go, where he drove through Jack Conan and Josh Vanderfleer, that set up this moment. It set it up for um for Jack Crowley and for Craig Casey. We lined up a pod on the outside on the right because again Crowley's a right footed kicker so we lined up a pot of three tight off the ruck because we did not want uh, McCarthy and other guys running through them and basically getting their hands in the way of Crowley because he's a right footed kicker so the screen pod was on the right we knew they were going to be coming from the left so we had a runner there too we wanted to block them to slow them down to give Crowley that moment now because he wasn't too far back he couldn't go too far back the pass from Casey had to be perfect. Had to be exactly where he wanted it to work, where Crowley wanted it to be. It couldn't be slightly above his right shoulder, where he'd have to adjust, to take it, and then readjust his body and kick. It had to be exactly where it would need to be, so he didn't have to break stride, and he could just straight away drop goal. The pass from Casey was perfect. Crowley, his mindset from the start was, "I'm making this kick." I am landing this kick that's what's happening here and he landed it ran away had a presence of mind through the fucking Ronan O'Gara celebration as he was going back do you know what that tells me? that tells me he was thinking about that before he kicked the fucking ball this is a guy who has the confidence who has the talk who has the mindset to be a serious player I'm not going to talk about guys being the heir apparent to sex and all this other shit but what I know is big players show up in big moments last year that game in the Aviva Stadium um, Ben Healy had the bollocks to to take on a massive kick like that in a huge pressure situation here um, you look at Crowley I never thought he was going to miss it the minute I saw him tucked in like at at the same line as Casey where basically you know from the start Casey's not playing phase ball here he's getting this in position to just throw it straight back to Crowley for the drop goal I knew he was going to make it I knew he was going to make it. I was stood up in front of the TV, heart pounding, running 148 looking at my Fitbit. And I knew Jack Crowley was going to take that kick and I knew he was going to land it. It was just about, could we get him into position? Could we get the accuracy there so that he would have the space where he could do it? If you want somebody to throw an accurate pass under pressure where he has to be perfect, who would you pick? Anybody in Ireland, who would you pick? Craig Casey landed right where it needed to be. Jack Crowley, ice cold. Like I said, any fella running away with his hands like that, knowing that it's that's Ronan O'Gara, what he did when he was running away after he uh, nailed the drop goal for the Grand Slam in 09, that's a fella who was thinking about that before he kicked the fucking ball. That's the confidence you need to be the guy. So when I'm saying about Ireland, I know I don't know what Andy Farrell's gonna do with Ireland. I do know that at Munster, Jack Crowley is the guy and that's kind of where that end game kind of goes for me is that in those moments you need somebody to step up and to do something right you need a fellow who can do something who did something first in this game who set up who set up that phase running and running the fuck over Harry Byrne the fellow who lads were already talking about replacing Crowley in the Ireland squad Jack Crowley did that who was able to run himself back in, a vital rock that we had to retain on the edge. Who's cleaning it out? Jack Crowley. And when he's put in a position to, you know, take away the physical side of the game, now it's about finesse. Now it's about pressure. Now it's about fucking, do you have ice in your veins? He stepped up, bang, straight over. That's the guy right there. That's the guy you build around. That's the guy who has the stones to do the big fucking man's job. And, like every team wants a guy like that who has the stones to make that happen but to call the shot in advance and to work it into position that's the man that's the guy right there and like the the restart from Leinster was looking to be fair really unlucky the I suppose Harry Byrne he could have been a little bit rattled after that carry um like you look at the restart where Leinster were offside or they weren't weren't offside they were ahead of the kicker um with the the kick um like I mean when have you seen that happen with Leinster like in in that moment like again it just just kind of shows that every team is human every team is capable of looking like like jokers when the pressure is on and when something doesn't go your way like that's what Munster did in that moment that's when the heat came on for Leinster and they had to produce something um um and a huge moment and like you look at the scrum for the first half was Munsters um, second half Keane Healy put Roman Salanoa under a huge amount of pressure I think Leinster are a little bit unlucky didn't get a penalty on one of those scrums but when it came to it Roman Salanoa held out um, Keen Healy and Alex Kendallin broke off the back of the scrum ran over Liam Turner and that was the game we held it out from there um, when Craig to kicked that ball off the field my heart rate was around 148, 149 again. That's what they do to us. <laughs> and it kind of puts you into that position where you're, I suppose, just emotional, really, because I've seen Monster lose so many games like that where we were ahead in Toman Park and then a daft penalty lets them up the field. They score with five minutes remaining and then that's that. We lose. You know, we have a, in, in. I think it was the first Uh, pro 14 semi-final it was 2018 2019 I think it was no 2017 2018 where we had an opportunity where we were pressing in their half of the field we were um, a point down at that stage right and we were trying to work ourselves into position to maybe score a drop goal or win a penalty but instead it was Max Deegan I think didn't he win a breakdown turnover Um, and then that's it game over we lose but this time, it was game over, and, and we win. And that's the remarkable thing about, like, this fixture, what it does to you. And the emotions of it, how it feels, like, they're real. Like, the, like the, the heart beating, the fucking sweating, the joy. Um, this is what this game's all about. Like, myself and my partner kind of jumping around and silently, because we can't wake the baby. Like, that's something I remember always. And, like people say oh it's a semi-final win or whatever else I'm not a player I'm not a coach it's not up to me to be reasonable like that was a very special moment for me supporting this club and that's why I suppose the emotions of it are so strong for me is that you know when you're doing it and you're living it you're living and breathing it every week like I'm living and breathing this every week for seven, eight seasons now however long it is. Um, is I've seen Monster lose finals since I've been doing this job tw- two of them I've seen us lose semi-finals, to answer consistently. The hurt that's there, and to finally get that one where you have that one good day, um, that's something very special, and um, I'll always remember it. And that's outside of what's going to happen in Cape Town in two weeks, which, come what may, that w- that will happen. Um, whatever happens, there happens. But you know, I think it's just um, that's for next week, for today we can enjoy, we can revel and we can just sit into that game like it's a warm bath and just fucking, you know, chill out but I'm saying that as if I've ever had a bath since I've been an adult and I don't think I've ever had <laughs> so there you go, metaphorically uh, sit into a bath I've had a shower, of course <laughs> I, I do wash but like as in, if somebody asks me there like as in about, you know, you know, did you have a nice bath it's like, no, I'm a guy, I don't have baths I have showers <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was, it was a special day but like the the player ratings are going to be coming out in the Wally ratings but I won't give any specifics here but like some of my top guys who, who will get 5 stars in the Wally ratings based on my watchbacks Rory Scannell off the bench gets 5 fucking stars from me because he has been out of this team for I can't think the last time he played outside of this game he steps in this week comes in off the bench relatively early um, he was getting a bit of shit during the week from pundits who were wondering where Joy Carberry was and Rory Scannell on the bench ahead of him. Rory Scannell had a fucking great game. A really good game. He handled really well. Some of the work he did with Shane Daly on the screen was great. He was able to fill a kind of a fecatoa-esque position uh, because he would file into that kind of that power ringer um, alt role that R12 has been running over the last couple of, um, well, the last couple of months of the season, really and um he excelled there um his break in the build-up um to the drop goal was vital the little link up he had with john hodden it was outstanding um and to come in in such a high pressure game and play zero fear rugby five stars rory scannell jack crowley obviously is going to get a five star rating um i'll go into a little bit more detail with him with the notable player section which is going to be bigger this week it's going to be three or four thousand words long this while um, I thought Jean Klein was outstanding again big physical went off a little bit too early so we're going to wait for a medical update on him but hopefully he'll be fine for the final he's more than earned it uh, Lockman played well uh, got ripped a bit poorly in the in the, in the first half but overall I thought his scrummaging was very strong Dermot Barron had a fucking outstanding game where he was chasing down wingers Um, he was chasing every fucking bounce of the ball a great performance from him really like you look at his um, his mindset, how well he's developed this season. I think there's a real player there. I'm not going to talk about international honours because who knows what the crack is there. But from a guy to be the best player he can be for Munster, I still think he needs a, a few more KG in him. But set pieces look really good. Scrummaging has looked really good as well. He was part of a very dominant Munster scrum. Um, so yeah, very happy with his performance. Stephen Archer, fucking great show from him. My God, this guy. Uh. Good handling, one bad error. Great scrummaging, line-out stuff was good, mall D was good. Um, Shit-housing through the fucking roof, but that's exactly what you want from your tight-head prop in this situation. You don't want nice boys in the field, Stephen Archer. Not a nice guy in the field. That's what we want. Uh, I thought, oh man, he played well. Um, kind of a really, a limited, not, not a limited role, but like he didn't look like a fella who was minding his arm. Um, Hodnett outstanding game tackling himself into the ground some good carries did really well up against Van der Fleer like they're one of the few areas of the game where guys who wear the same number jersey do actually battle each other fairly head on I thought Hodnett stood up with Van der Fleer really well and um, Van der Fleer by the way as well was fucking outstanding he was outstanding watching the game back showed up over and over and over again he is a world I know he, he's obviously world player of the year but world class talent that guy Just his work rate, his tackle count was through the roof as well, but he's able to bother you with a ruck consistently. Some player. um, Gavin Coombs had an outstanding performance as well. Like People, again, begging for this guy to fail. I thought he was really complete. He passed more than any Leinster forward um he was playing that half lock power forward role where a lot of breakdown work on top of a huge carrying load as well but scrummaged really well at eight his line-out work was very good too on both sides really excellent stuff His his mauling and counter mauling has been really really good too um the casey and crowley craig casey i thought had a fucking fabulous game as well 124 touches constant activity always in the right position, Look like one or two mistakes, but when you have 124 passes, you're going to have one or two bad ones, overall, great performance from him, looked like a guy, a real leader out there, by the way, Jacket Dunahoo came off the bench, had a real calm head, but looked fucking physical, didn't look like an overly complex role, he won his collisions, he was aggressive at the breakdown, good in low line out, that's all we want, Finney Witcherly. Another five star performance from him off the bench. He is having the fucking games of his life over the last couple of weeks. He's looked outstanding. You look at his physicality. He was blowing guys out of it physically. He blew Van der Fleer off a ruck. Um, he has come back from his shoulder injury looking stacked. He is fucking huge out there. He's really filled out. And that extra bit of power, all of a sudden, the basics that were there before, but maybe you weren't getting the full value out of them because, look, he's not got the same pop physically. He's looking very, very good off the bench. Like you know, you look you look at a fella who's, you know, six four, six five, they need to have that kind of more on ball focus. And he he's carrying really well since he came back from that injury and hurting guys physically, and that's what you want. I thought Josh Witterly was just the same off the bench as well. You know your prop is playing well when fellas are complaining that he's coming in off his feet at the breakdown. Physically, I thought Josh Witterly was really dialed into where he needed to be. He actually scrummaged quite well too. Um, yeah, great performance from him off the bench. Uh Kendallin, like I said, really impressive. Um, not on for a whole pile of time, but when he was on, by God, he made a fucking impact. Um, Helia thought it had a good game. Um like the way before he went off injured, he's really fucking trying stuff and going for kick, two really good penalties as well. I had a few questions as well about the, the penalty, the shot clock running out. The shot clock is just, just for TV in the Aviva. In this case, there was no match clock in the stadium for the referee or for the players to assess. So in that circumstance, it comes down to the judgment of the referee to decide fairness when it comes to the timing of uh, penalties. He was communicating with Ben constantly so there was not a case of, of, you know, Ben taking three extra seconds. He was in fully uh, in command of that with, uh, with uh, Frank Murphy. So understood what was required. Then you look at the back three. Honestly, uh, an outstanding performance. Mike Haley, uh, his positioning, his fucking guts, the grit, his high ball work, his carrying, his playmaking. He ran himself into the ground for this team. That track back saved the try, saved the game. But when you look at him chasing up that kick from Casey downfield, that's a game winner right there. He is playing outstanding rugby. One of the most important fellas in the field. Iron Mike Haley is the fucking truth. Outstanding performance from him. Shane Daly. Um, his performances this season, he's played the most minutes, I think, of, of any one of the players there. Close to it anyway. Um, he has become, honestly, a genuine outstanding inside winger threat. He can handle the ball well. He is physical enough where he can kind of he can cut back in, he can hurt guys in the collision. He's got great feet. He's agile. He's quick. He can finish. His high ball work is really good too. Like when he got called into the Ireland camp, I think it was during the early stages of the pandemic season, he was at fullback. Um, and part of the reason why he was there was that he was really solid under the high ball. But he's a big guy too. He's 6'3 in the role he's playing at the moment he is half a winger half an outside centre and that perfectly suits what he does like his offensive capacity um, has come on this season I think he can actually go. he can, he can get an, even better um, how well he played here even just shows you how far he's come on because like his ability to step guys to step back inside because like one of the things our wingers will have to do in this system fairly constantly is take the ball at the edge of our play but then cut back in and stay alive long enough to keep off the ground to stay alive for the reinforcement reinforcements to come so we can build the next set of phases Shane Daly is really really good at that and he's so consistent all season long too uh, an outstanding performance from him again one of many also he's a really balanced kicker as well he's just again you need a guy in your outside back line in this system we're playing who essentially is a midfielder while also essentially being a fullback while also essentially being a winger And that's Shane Daly at the moment. Really, really good. And finally, Keith Earls. Keith fucking Earls. Ah, His performance here from the start was just guts. Fucking grit. Not quitting. He was not fit coming into this game. Like he was not 100%, not even close. But when you're Keith Earls, you just have grit. You have toughness. And you have... Over a decade of experience at the top level of the game. When we needed them to show up physically, making big tackles, big stops, he was there. Made big stops on Deegan. He got dug into Ryan Baird as well at times. He was hitting guys at the breakdown. Just keeping that backfield moving. And if this is the last game he plays in Ireland, what a way to go out. Seeing him... um. With his daughter on the field at the end she upset him comforting her is his two other kids coming on like the way he was walking around the field like nobody in this country i don't care how fucking unbalanced this seems or unfair this seems deserves to finish their career with a fucking trophy for munster than keith earls like or for their province or whatever else keith earls has done so much for this team when we were struggling he was always world class. When he was fuck when like when when Monster were in the doldrums and not doing well in the middle of the last decade, he was one of those shining lights that a guy that we always knew, well, Keith Earls will show up and Keith Earls will do something for us. Um so to see him on the field at the end there like that, to have finally got that win. He deserved it. He deserved that moment. He deserved to feel that joy that we felt, because he's a fucking Monster fan, same as you and me. A lot of the most of these guys are. I think they all are now, but they grew up the same as you and me, supporting Munster. So when I see Kieran's like that, I see a fucking guy who's gone through what he's gone through as a, as a man, as a human being, and I'm just feeling really fucking happy for that guy, and just want one more win, and for the lads to look at themselves and go, who here wants to let him down? And they'll find the answer to that is nobody. Um, But yeah, he had a good game too. Look, nobody here had a poor game. Like, Scanlon off the bench, I thought, did really well. Physically set himself up well, tackled well. Uh, Scrummage, line out. Like, you just need guys to come in and just play to their potential, hit their role set. And I think since we've kind of got off that Sharks and, and Glasgow and, and Scarlett's game, we've reset. And we're so much more comfortable now. And guys seem to be in spots that really suit them like our handling of our forwards is really good, our props, like the handling there has been really good as well, like a lot of those guys are still not massively on-ball dominant fellas, outside Salanoa, by the way, who, when he came on, scrummaging was a bit iffy, but fuck, when he was hitting rucks, lads were scuttering off him, like you look at Josh Vanderfleer there towards the end right before the drop goal, he tried to counter rock on Salanoa, I'd say the second ruck before uh, the drop actually went over, and he hopped off him, there was not a case of, oh, sticking on Salanoa, and oh, I'm gonna, you know, slide up the side of this rock. he looked like he had tried to fucking counter rock a concrete bollard, just hopped off him, that's the kind of power Salanoa, Salanoa gives you, and like, I look at Josh Richley here, I think, there's scope for this guy to push on again physically, and that's what you want, um, Nobody here played poorly. You know, I think, all, like, the monster guys all did really well. Uh, Frisch had moments, like, he's in not, like, massive, like, ooh-la-la kind of fucking Antoine Tony fresh moments, but really good defence, competent positionally, and when the opportunity came for him to make a big break that helped us get to a a, a, a drop-goal situation, he had the pace, he had the passing, he had the accuracy, uh, really well balanced. and I think himself and Nankivelle uh, will work really well next season, but himself and Fekitoa next year in two weeks time huge opportunity for those two to sign off with a bang as well I suppose that's it we're kind of coming down to you know two week counter to a final and it's half a world away I saw the Stormers celebrating on their I'm not sure what they were what the idea was behind that we're putting that out there where they didn't have to travel up to Dublin maybe they're happy they got Munster we've already won down there and look we're going to be playing on a fucking looks like a volleyball court on a fucking beach spray painted green down there it's not going to be easy but one thing I've learned about this Munster team over the last number of months now is that they are the kings of the hard way and if Munster were to go from Durban or from Cape Town to Durban to Glasgow to the Aviva and then back to Cape Town again and win a URC title that is the ultimate kings of the hard way way to win a title for the first time in 12 years. But I wouldn't put it past them. This team have belief and a monster team that has belief they can beat anybody. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for being a tier case subscriber. I will talk to you again very very soon.